will not use the gravel this evening. <laughs> okay. So um, we are reconvening after a closed session. Do we have anything to report back? Uh, the board uh, started in closed session at about 6.05. We completed at 6.40, and there's no reportable action. Thank you. If everyone would please um, review the minutes. And if they are okay, uh, then I have a motion. I'll approve that we move the uh, approve the minutes of May 11th. Second. Uh, second. <laughs> okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. So. I we have any public comments. We have the public. So. Therefore, let's continue with our business of going over our budget. Okay, thank you. So we have two items related to the budget tonight. The first is the third quarter report for the current fiscal year. And the board just heard a report about this um, recently. So we had the mid-year budget. So they're really, um, the written report gives you an update on our revised projections. Um, currently, we believe that our revenue will be about $13,000 less by the end of the fiscal year than what we had originally projected. And that's uh, due to um, slightly lower than anticipated reg fee collections of like less than $4,000. And higher than anticipated registration fee refunds, um, approximately $5,000 more than we had anticipated. And that's um, in part the result of the higher registration fee. Um, it appears that our expenditures will be approximately 169,000 more than the adopted budget of $5,807,000. Um, savings in the supplies and expenses category of about $24,000 and $5,500 in the capital outlay will help offset um, over expenditures of approximately $211,000 in the salary and wages category for permanent employees. Um, and that's attributable to an increase in the permanent employees' expenses, as needed expenses, overtime, and medical insurance costs. Uh, you can see that if you look at the chart at the back of the staff report you see where the over expenditures are by looking at the column the second from the right the budget variations it shows um, you know where we project we will be over expending but fortunately uh, the board had originally anticipated that there would be just over three hundred thousand dollars in surplus revenue to go into the reserve that will be reduced, um, but we will still be able to put um, approximately $119,000 into the reserve. Um, so in addition to the uh, operating budget, we also will have the sixth payment um, towards the loan that the board received um, when the city made a significant uh, payment towards the unfunded PERS liability um, in 2017. 
they, we had not anticipated that. The council made that decision. So the city council loaned the board $519,000 to cover the board's portion of that. And, they, uh, and so we've been repaying this loan over 10 years. And the sixth payment is the current fiscal year um, of about $52,000. And we'll make the seventh payment in the next fiscal year. Um, so that is essentially just a kind of catching you up on our current projections. Is there anything you want to add to that, Myla? Okay. So we really look at the third quarter just to, to sort of give us a foundation uh, for looking at next year's budget. And that's really the main purpose of tonight's meeting. And um, this is a study session. So we will be informal as we talk through the budget. Um, we will set the, after we're done going through the budget, we'll ask you to set the public hearing for June 8th when we will then hear from the public and the board will adopt the budget. Could I just ask one quick question? I'm sorry, I, of course. I, I know what this is, but just maybe the ratification. The, on the capital outlay um, where it says uh, on page three, it says that it was necessary to maintain a software license agreement related to the rent database, which is our old database. And just for their, maybe to let everyone know why we would need that for a, a supposedly something we replaced. Right. Well, we're using it, we're still using that database to access. Um, we're not using it for our day-to-day -day operations, but for historical purposes, we're looking at it. So we've maintained that particular license through this first year, but because we're not updating it, we won't need to maintain that license going forward. So that should be the end of that one license. Okay. But it was a carryover during right. this transition time. Some reports. Yeah, it was a report writer that we needed, and yeah. we were still generating some reports out of rent. But now it doesn't make sense to generate reports because it's not current anymore. Right, right. And but so, you, but you'll still rent will still be there for a while. It will be there historically. It will be there, Histor exactly. and so people can access it and look at it. Um, but it's not current, so right. I wouldn't look at it's it just, for rents or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but for historical data. Yeah. Historically, we took snapshots of everything at the end of the year too, so we have that all in based and property, you know, by mm -hmm. property. So, oh, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, one of the things that we did as part of this transition is we did a final rent printout where oh, we had okay. all the information that was rent in rent, all of the records for each property, and it's in OnBase, our document management system, so it's available to our employees and. Um, and the public, right? It's a public document. So if somebody wanted to look at that, they could look at the rent uh, final report. So we'll always have that. Right. Because there were some things that you didn't figure were necessary to transfer from rent to the new database, correct? Right. Not a lot. I mean, most right. of it was converted. But there are some small pieces right. that we didn't convert. Right. Okay. And then just when there's some anomalies sometimes between what we thought we read over, oh, okay. what we see in the new system, it's like it's our handy reference to go back and kind of see, right. did something go awry, or yeah, was exactly. the, did the data really look like that when it came over? So it's been right. a good reference point, and there'll be some small, there's some small maintenance agreements just for the physical boxes, right. um, you know, until we're ready to really 
turn it off just so that we have a reference. That's it. Okay, any other questions about the third quarter budget? Okay, so then moving on to the budget that is in the notebook that we sent you. Um, <clears throat> So this is a study session, it's informal, gives the board an opportunity to take a look at the budget and to see if there are any modifications you'd like to make uh, before we present it to you for final adoption. The rent control charter, the law requires us to present this to you at least 35 days before the end of the fiscal year or the beginning of the next fiscal year and for the board to adopt a budget before July 1st. Once the budget is adopted, the board can change it if they want to in the future um, with additional allocations or whatever. We haven't had that happen very often, but um, it's, it is provided for. And um, the budget is, you know, sort of a very educated prediction of what expenses will be. Lima has done the budget for years and she is spot on on most of it. There are sometimes things that happen that are unanticipated. For example, Measure RC this year. We had not planned for some of the costs related to Measure RC, but we were able to shift things around. And um, you know, part of the reduction in what we will have to put into the reserve is attributable to some of the costs related to Measure RC. There were some additional costs. So things happen throughout the year that may require a change in the budget, but this gives us a starting point. And uh, we try and be somewhat conservative about, you know, projecting what the revenue and the expenditures will be. But as I said, um, we're very fortunate to have Lima with her expertise and um, she does a great job of predicting where, what our expenditures will be. So this proposed budget um, projects operating expenditures of $6,159,000 and revenue of $6,126,000 based upon the $228 annual registration fee that the board set last year. Um, we believe that that level of registration fee will cover the board's reasonable and necessary expenses for the coming year, so there won't be a need to increase the registration fee. Given the revenue and expenditure projections, we're projecting a small deficit of approximately 32,000 by the end of next fiscal year. The budget does include significant one-time expenses of approximately $320,000. <clears> More than half of that total is for partial reimbursement to long-term employees, and that's people hired before July of 2012. Um, for contributions they made toward a retirement benefit that the city eliminated in 2020. So people have put money into this fund or towards this benefit and now they will not have that benefit when they retire. So we are reimbursing people for what they had contributed over a six year span. The largest um, reimbursement piece will happen in this coming fiscal year. And then there will be, again, a one-time expenditure, but it will be significantly lower than what will happen in this year. There are also one-time expenditures um, related to costs for anticipated retirements of long-term employees. Um, that is, makes up most of the difference. In addition to the operating budget, we'll have one non-operating expense, which is the loan, the seventh payment on the PERS loan that the 
city made to us, and we'll be making that seventh payment um, at the end of next fiscal year. So the details on each of the line items is within the budget book that we gave you, but before we look at that, let's look at the organizational chart, um, <coughs> which is <coughs> behind the agency organ organization and goals chart. So like this year, we expect to have 24 employees in the coming fiscal year. <coughs> One position, well, we have two positions that are currently vacant. One <clears throat> is the technical services analyst position in ISD. The person who has been working with us got another position within the city. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he's no longer working with us. Um, given the length of time it will take to recruit for that position and fill it, um, we've only put that particular position in the budget for six months of the next fiscal year. In part because of that, but also because of um, the fact that TruePoint Solutions was the implementer of the database for us, we're going to continue a professional services um, agreement that we have with TruePoint. I, um, we had about $70,000 in, in the current year's budget for this um, PSA, Professional Services Agreement. We're putting $90,000 into this next fiscal year's budget for that. Because um, the technical services analysts left, um, we are going to be depending more on TruePoint. But they are very responsive. They've helped us like with the modifications that were necessary related to Measure RC. I have a lot of confidence in them and they, you know, they helped us build the database. So we will be depending upon them um, for the foreseeable future. Even when we hire a TSA, we will still have an ongoing relationship with um, Two Point Solutions. The other vacant position that we have right now is the administrative staff assistant in the legal division. <clears throat> that person also moved back to his former position in the police department. So we will be recruiting for and filling that position. Um, so we have 24 positions and then we also use as needed staff um, for a couple of things. We have a retired um, information analyst who helps us out uh, in our busy summer months. He helped us out during uh, the busy time around Measure RC. We anticipate we may need his help a bit going forward. And we also um, have a mediator who handles most of the mediations related to the decreased petitions and excess rent petitions. And we'll be continuing that um, <coughs> relationship with that mediator. So we have about $52,500 in the upcoming budget for the as-needed costs. So now I'd like to have the board look at the goals that we've set forth, which is on the next page in the book. Um, a number of these goals kind of carry on from year to year because we're working on similar things, but um, right behind the org chart itself is a labor summary that just shows what the changes have been in recent years, but this year there is no change in the numbers. So looking at the goals, <clears throat> and you know, I'd love your, we'd love your input on anything that you'd like to add to the goals or any you know, concerns that you have, but 
in the area of um, increasing efficiencies through the use of technology. Uh, now that we have the database in place, we really want to expand the constituent use of civics, which is the public portal aspect of the database. Dan told me this week that we have about 1,100 people signed up to use civics, which is great after just 15 months, um, because that represents more than those, many of those people have multiple properties that they own or are managing. So we're reaching a pretty good percentage of people, um, property owners who file the most common forms, like the tenancy registrations. Um, those are now all coming in through civics. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we want to increase the use of civics, and part of that will um, be additional outreach to constituents and training. We'll be developing a new um, training program about using uh, civics. Uh, we also are developing, we have had a working group ever since we implemented, or shortly after we implemented the database, we got some of the staff members together to talk about um, areas for improvement within the data, database, things we need to do. So we will be working on a uh, standard operating procedure and training manuals for the database, uh, both to help our existing staff and any new staff who come on. Um, one question about, do, do we have any idea when or if we're going to add more years into the access? Because right now you can only access back to 2005, and that's because of a lot of things that need to be, I understand, that need to be redacted or all that kind of stuff because of what on with that. Do we have any idea if or when we'll be adding more years? So you're talking about the document management system, yes. which is kind of a piece of our information right. resources. Um, our goal this year will be to put historical board packets on the, um, on the public uh, portal right. so that people can do research themselves into right. the um, history of the agency and the board's actions. Um, as you said, adding additional site file documents before 2005 will require quite a bit of um, reviewing those documents, doing some redactions of some information that should not be made easily accessible mm -hmm. to the public. So our primary focus this year would be on adding the staff report, or the board, uh, board packets. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> there, there are documents over then 2005, I won't have a major project like a lot of the tenancy registration forms because those don't need any redaction. Oh, okay. On a lot of those I've gone back and bulk changed 2004 to 2003, so easily identifiable documents as a group that I know That's don't true. need redaction oh. have been converted, oh, okay. um, or just public records requests when we ask, when we get a request for it, then I go back in time and redact and clean out those yeah, files. Those. So there's, some properties have stuff going all the way back to the beginning of time, oh, okay. um, whereas other properties stop at 2005, so of a mixed thing, so to the extent that we can find items that we know don't need redaction because that's where it takes time to yeah. do every single piece of paper. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know that. Well. <laughs> yes, well, you help with that. Um, so yeah. there's pockets of all of the information there. Okay. <clears throat> 
And then, of course, we'll continue to leverage electronic communication, social media campaigns, <clears throat> and expanded email list to broaden our engagement with landlords and tenants. <coughs> Thank you for opening that door, Alda. I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. Okay, <clears throat> so the next set of goals are around insurance compliance with the rent control law and taking affirmative legal action where indicated. Um, so part of this is planning for any possible changes in the law resulting from uh, changes in local or state legislation that impact agencies' policies and practices. Um, this year, you know, we had to implement changes related to the passage of Measure RC. There could be state legislation that would impact us that we might have to incorporate. Um, so that's one thing. Um, we also would initiate civil actions as necessary to enforce compliance with the rent control law like we did um, this past year with the property where we recently reached a settlement. Um, <clears throat> we'll continue to implement the, doc the agency's document retention schedule, which we are thoroughly in the midst of now. We're working, uh, we've had a pitch and purge week and we're working hard on uh, the document retention uh, and eliminating um, outdated or documents that do not need to be retained. The board um, in 2019 adopted a uh, document retention schedule and we're using that schedule to um, clear out the documents that we should not be retaining. And then we put in a new one this year um, that Allison suggested, which is um, starting or no, to collaborate with other jurisdictions as well about, and I think that's in the next section, but strategizing um, with other jurisdictions about some issues that are common across the ju um, jurisdictions. And we've done this for years. We have a consortium of staff within the rent control jurisdictions. But we've seen some things happen that um, it might be good to have sort of a more collaborative approach to either legislatively or um, so that's one of the things that we have in terms of collaboration in the next set of um, goals. Um, we also continue to collaborate with other city departments as we have. We work closely with the city attorney's office, code enforcement, the planning department, um, communications. So we have a lot of collaboration that we do throughout um, with other city departments. Um, <clears throat> and the website is an ongoing uh, thing that we're working on. We made real headway this year, significant changes to it in line with what the city is working on. Um, there are some still some things that need to be worked on and that will happen in this coming year. The most popular part of our website is look up a rent and that is available um, but probably needs to be modified a little bit and so we'll be working on that in the coming year. Um, the next series of goals are around supporting the values of equity, inclusion, and accountability, <clears throat> and evaluating our practices and procedures to improve access <coughs> excuse me, and efficiency. So you heard about the equity project that we're working on. Um, Dan talked about that, or Dan or Rose talked about that in the annual report presentation. We'll be continuing to gather demographic information about the people that we serve primarily the area of the city in which they live and the language which they speak. 
to make sure that our services are available to everybody and that people are taking advantage of them. And if we can identify any barriers to people being able to use our services, we want to address those barriers. So we'll continue to work on that this year. Um, we'll also be looking at the board's regulations um, to see are there any changes that need to be made. Um, I think there's an interest in kind of streamlining the regulations a little bit if possible. So that's a project that we've identified um, that we will be working on this year. And then the hearings division, um, Tracy has taken the lead at sort of closely looking at the hearing process and wants to identify whether there are any changes that could be made that would help us move quickly or um, expeditiously or in a good time frame to move from the filing of a petition to the issuance of a decision. And then um, <clears throat> finally, uh, I'll talk a little bit about preparing for staff changes. Uh, we have, we're very fortunate in that we have a lot of people who have been in with the agency for a very long time, but it looks like in the next couple of years um, we will have retirements of probably a quarter of our staff. So part of that is looking at what are those people doing, would it be appropriate to establish new job classifications. Um, you know, some of the people who have been here have been here a long time. We won't necessarily replace that person or we won't find somebody to do what that person's been doing. Um, so we're going to be looking at that and we're necessarily proposing to the board new job classifications to consider and ultimately the board adopts the job classifications per the charter. Um, but through the uh, Labor law requires us to meet and negotiate with the unions about any changes that would impact um, any positions within their collective bargaining units. So we will do that and bring those um, to you. And then, of course, in anticipation of people leaving, we're going to we're continue cross-training people and um, ensuring that they're developing the skills necessary, hopefully, to make them ready to step into new positions if they're interested to do so. So that's what we've set forth for the goals. Um, any questions or comments or additions you'd like to make? Um, I think you skipped over that one. Yeah, because that's kind of a continuing over the remote services. Right. Yeah, I, I did skip past that because I wasn't going to talk about all of them. But we have found that people really like remote hearings. <laughs> Um, it's very convenient for them. Um, so we are continuing with our remote hearings. Um, we will hold hearings in person if that's what the parties prefer. Um, but we're continuing that. Um, but we, and when we're, when we do have people in the office, we're continuing to make sure we have all the safety measures in place that are necessary to protect both the public and our staff. Have you had any new in-person in ones? Yes, since the pandemic. Yes. Oh, you yeah. have? I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was it Mr. Davids? It was. Oh, was it really? Oh, wow. So I have a few questions. Okay. Um, so the remote hearings, are there additional costs for those? No. Well, we have a license for blue jeans, but it's, uh, you know, blue jeans. it's not it's a huge jeans. cost. <laughs> blue jeans shouldn't be that expensive. Um, it's, I, I don't think it's a huge cost. The city would like us to move away from that, but there are some limitations with teams. I mean, these are complex hearings. We need a transfer, you know, the tape, and 
there's a lot. Tracy and Lima have been looking into this, um, but we can't make a quick move from blue jeans to teams. So, um, hey teams, personally, um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and then I have another question um, that you specified that you're coming with. Talking about the payment to the city, right? When will the last payment be made? Uh, the schedule, well, this is the seventh year, so three more years after that, so 24, 27. And so, also, so were the two, there's only two as needed positions? Correct. Okay. I'm not finished yet. Okay. <laughs> This is when you thought I was asleep. I'm wide awake. <laughs> I didn't think you were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you went from the projected budget to the, where we're at now, and I see the variations, there's so much that changed in between. So, how did you, you know, how did it go so far off? Well, so, I, after we talked about the goals, I was going to move into the budget itself and the expenditures and revenue. Okay, so now I don't think there. Is that because we're taking so many out of the rent control, under the purview of rent control, like is, if people were LSD out, is that, is that is it reflective or correlated as far as projections in comparison to people that take LSD out? No, we're not losing a lot of units to Ellis. Obviously, so every time we have a, a meeting where somebody else is Ellising their property, so I'm like, oh God, here's another one. So. Well, we haven't lost a huge number of units, especially because during the pandemic, there were eviction or eviction moratoria. Mm -hmm. um, so no, actually, we're building this budget predicting the same number of billable units that we had for the current fiscal year. Okay. It's just some of the costs have gone up. Are you referring to exemptions? Yes. Oh, yeah, exemptions. Not, we don't, yeah, we have some exemptions, but not Ellis's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And we're actually, the board several years ago um, implemented a monitoring program for the owner-occupied exemptions, and we're probably lapsing more exemptions than we are granting right now <clears throat> because of our monitoring process. But always as those small properties change hands and the owner moves on to the property, they may apply for an exemption after they've lived there I for 120 days. <laughs> I hate the little business. From a revenue perspective, it seems like the dollar is actually gaining that gain if they're involved. Yeah, we, right. Last year we had 97 additional units compared to the year before. So just net, you know. So some go out, some come back in. but. We have about 100 more in 2022 than we had in 2021. Yeah. I think I'm going to Okay, I'm sure you'll have more as we proceed. I do have one okay. additional about from, from that section there. That when I know that there's a push to for the city council to go to a hybrid meetings where people can call in, and they haven't done that yet. They haven't done it yet. They're talking about it tonight. Okay. Is um, were, were, Do we foresee ourselves doing that same thing depending on what they do then? When, <clears throat> assuming the council supports that, they are going to set up the council chambers and SMI so that they can 
um, receive remote comment and have hybrid meetings in those two spaces. They would be the only two spaces that would be set up for that. Um, it takes some upgrades in the technology for the council chambers and here obviously. But yeah, they're moving towards that this year. The council is very focused on that. And if they make those improvements, we will be able to take advantage I'll, of them. I'll improve that we could potentially do that on our own if we wanted to. Well, we did it as a special accommodation. Yeah. Um, we don't. We aren't really set up to do it oh, efficiently yeah. now. But ideally, in the coming year, that will be available. What about for um, seminars? Do you ever expect those to go back into in person? Or you because of the increased people that you? Yeah, um, we've had we've had higher atten attendance at our remote right. seminars just because they're easier for people to log in and don't have to get to the library. But um, I actually do think it would be good to go back to have some in-person seminars again, uh, because I think there's a different atmosphere and people are able to ask questions, I think, a little bit more easily, you know, so. Well, and this is something that we kind of touched on when I was listening in on, and I think that Kurt also was in on one or so of them, but it's more difficult to maybe stop the interplay that we saw on some of the remote ones between the between the yeah the people that they're, they're asking each other questions or answering their own questions and that type of thing and that's difficult to control if it's not in person right I think we saw that more in one seminar and then I think the next seminar I, I, I suggested to, you know make sure that you don't Answer the questions, that, exactly. You know, and we didn't get very many people answering right. other people's that questions, so that was good. The tenants seem to do it more, um, but yeah, that, we don't want people to be confused about who's delivering the information. Okay. Okay. Done. Great. All right. So now we'll look at the numbers themselves. So on the next page is the budget itself, um, which shows. Several years worth of actual expenditures, our projected expenditures for the current fiscal year in yellow, and then the budget that we're, the proposed budget that we're talking about in blue on the far right column. Um, so this budget maintains the current operations of the agency. Um, it funds, uh, includes funds for one to two board meetings per month and provision of the highest level of public service in our day-to-day -day operations. It includes funds for two, two newsletters and the summer mailing and cost to cover translations of each of those mailings in three languages. Uh, we anticipate presenting between five or six seminars throughout the year, including the new seminar that I mentioned on signing up for and using Civics, the public facing portal of the property and uh, rent tracking system. So as I mentioned early, uh, earlier, the proposed budget um, expenditure budget in the right-hand blue column is $6,159,553. Uh, as I, so now looking at the top portion of it, you see the budget is sort of set off into three categories, salaries and wages, and then the next budget section, total su or supplies and expenses, and then the capital outlay. So in a service organization like ours, the vast majority of the budget falls into the uh, salaries and wages because we're all about the people who provide the services. 
So that makes up close to 85% of the budget as a whole. Um, so the first line, permanent employees, uh, is staff salaries, deferred compensation, and other payouts provided for by the memorandum of understanding um, with the board's bargaining units. We're in the middle of a three-year contracts and agreements with all agency employees. And this allocation reflects the maximum possible cost of living adjustment, um, which would be an effective mid-year of this budget in January of 2024 which is a 2.5% cost of living adjustment. It will be dependent upon the actual CPI, but we negotiated a maximum of 2.5%. So that's built into this line item. Uh, I mentioned the ISD position is funded for six months out of the budget year, um, giving our anticipated length of recruiting to fill that position. Um, over time, uh, we have costs here, we have funds here for overtime. This year we used more in overtime than we are projecting for the coming year. In recent years we've spent a lot of overtime because we've asked existing staff to do additional things like work on the database and everything. So there were a lot of, there was overtime related to that. Most of this overtime will be related to uh, seminars and things that occur outside of um, the regular work hours, um, what other things do we have? Oh, and enhancements to the database that will probably require some overtime as well. So we've allocated um, 14,800 or 600 for overtime. I mentioned the as needed employees that we use, so that's uh, the next line. Uh, for long-term employees, we cover some, I don't know, for everybody we cover Medicare costs. So Medicare is here. Um, you'll notice in the next line, workers' compensation has gone down significantly this year. And that's because we had some workers' comp claims in the past where we've now reached the end of those claims, the um, payments have been made. Um, so if we don't have any additional workers' comp claims, we can hope to have, remain sort of at this lower level. So that's a good thing, um, especially it means we haven't had anybody injured on the job. Um, health insurance is a significant portion of our expenditures. Um, we anticipate increases in health insurance costs of uh, approximately 9% in, uh, in January of 2024. Um, some of the insurance costs are covered for the premiums are covered by the employees themselves. This is something that we've negotiated. So currently, people are contributing about 8% to the premium uh, for the health plan that they selected. They can choose between a number of um, different plans. The medical trust is a negotiated benefit um, <clears throat> that the agency contributes to because most employees do not have retiree medical insurance. It's something that the city has never provided. So we contribute to a trust which helps reimburse the employees for their medical expenses when they retire. They can use it towards premiums or other medical expenses, but um, so that's something that was established many quite a few years ago and we continue to fund that as a benefit negotiated in our um, in our collective bargaining agreements. 
retirement contributions, um, that's a significant portion of the budget, and there are a couple of items related to retirement contributions. Um, this line right here, um, it's this year the PERS contribution rate actually went down a little bit from last year, which is unusual, but we're about three years or so behind the performance of PERS, um, so when they have a good year, the rates can go down. When they invest well and they make a lot of money, our rates can go down, and then the converse of that is true too. When they don't have a good year, the rates go up. So right this year, we're seeing a little bit of reduction in the rate itself. Um, and just as a reminder, uh, the agency does not pay into Social Security for people. So PERS is the public employee retirement benefit instead of Social Security. Yep, it's, that's working in the public sector. Um, it's, I think it's universal, isn't it, that um, there's a retirement program other than Social Security. So for us, it's the Public Employees Retirement System of California. There's no way for you guys to go? No. We're not eligible for Social Security. If you had worked in the private sector, qualifying. Right. You need, somebody needs 40 quarters, I think, to qualify for Social Security. But if you've worked for the age, or worked in the public sector for many, many years, and your PERS benefit, it will be off. It will offset whatever Social Security you might have otherwise been entitled to. Excuse my shot. My father worked for the sheriff department. He had both. He had Social Security and he had, you know. There are some entities that do because I remember when I went to Calpers meetings, they there would be people in there that would say that, and typically they were in that type of service industry. Um, and teachers, I think, are also one yeah, of them. That's why, that's why I'm just shocked, because if the sheriff department would allow both, I would think an uh, institute of this magnitude would also allow for both so that you guys would be well taken care of whenever they come time for retirement. I think, though, that when it comes down to it, that if you work the same number of years under Social Security and the same number of years under CalPERS, you're going to be much better off under CalPERS than you are under Social Security. I think it just depends on what, you know. Well, it depends on what they buy, what they buy into. I mean, exactly. Yeah. That's what right. I mean. There, there are different programs. The city has um, had a very nice plan that we contributed to, those of us who are going to have that as our determining. Um, Statewide, there were changes negotiated in PERS. So anybody hired after 2012 has a different um, plan than those long-term employees. And that's because these costs have just gotten so huge. Everything's astronomical. Everything's astronomical. Everything. Yeah. OK. Um, on the next slide, though, you see a big zero. And that's the additional PERS pay down. And that, um, the city had a plan to pay towards the unfunded PERS liability um, over what was originally 30 years, and then they expedited to 13 or the other way around. But anyway, the city council suspended the contributions to the um, pay down of the PERS liability because they were so impacted by the effects of COVID, the revenue for the city has been dramatically impacted. 
So they're going to suspend those payoff or the additional contribution until at least fiscal year 27 or 28. So we will not have any additional PERS pay down um, until at least 27, 28. Are you able to continue to pay into it if the city doesn't require it? Well, no, because we're all part of the same PERS plan. We don't negotiate individually as the agency because we're only 24 people. So it's the city has the contract and we're part of the city's contract. So we, we ride with the city. <clears throat> but we do have that loan from 2017. That's another PERS cost. It's not an operating expense, but it's our um, non-operating expense that I've mentioned a couple of times. <coughs> Excuse me, we're making the seventh payment <clears throat> in this upcoming fiscal year. So that's the major expenditure aspects of the budget in the salaries and wages categories. <clears throat> the next section, I'm not gonna talk through all of these line items. But I'm sure your attention is drawn to the indirect cost line, which in this coming budget is $418,000. That covers um, a lot of costs related to services provided to the agency and all city departments by other city departments. So those, uh, that's described on pages five through nine of the budget. Uh, actually, yeah, it starts on the bottom of page five. <clears throat> and this is always, I mean, it's a big expenditure. It covers a lot of services. <clears throat> Lima does a very good job of like, going through those carefully to make sure that they're charging us for the proper things. Um, but the city did a reallocation plan every five years or so. They take a look at what were the actual things that happened in a given year, and then they create an allocation plan based upon that. They last did the study in 21-22. Is that right, Mama? Yeah, well, that's what this current one is based on. Yeah, yeah. last time before that was 16-17. Yes. They did a full allocation plan. So <clears throat> they developed it in, uh, actually in 22-23, based upon expenditures and activity in 21-22. And um, they haven't actually finalized that yet, <clears throat> but they have told us what to put in the current year's budget. But this time they're telling us that our allocation for this is $418,000, which represents about a 4% increase over their revised allocation plan. So um, we will continue working with them on whether there are any modifications that should be made to this. But as of now, this is the allocation that the finance department has given the rent control agency. <coughs> so you can see it covers things like um, facilities maintenance, uh, finance, purchasing, records and support services, uh, services from information services, and some costs related to the city manager and city attorney's office. Um, so, uh, do people have questions about the indirect section of that line item? Lima, um, refresh me. Where's the the part about our space in you know, 
allocation for our it's based space. on the square footage. Yeah, where's that in this? That's the last one, facilities yeah. maintenance. Oh, that's what I think. Which okay. is 147,000. Yeah. And that, that's, there's a little breakdown there. There's the custodial right. facilities and utilities. And did that, did, when they did it this time around, or I guess last time would have been that way as well, considering the new part of the city hall the new part of city hall has their own set of oh they have their own set okay. yes so our square footage didn't it, it didn't shrink looking at it as a whole because they look at city hall okay old and city hall east so okay, the city hall east that. people whoever has a department over there they get their own okay facilities charges custodial charges so this is based on the same three thousand seven hundred and four whatever that number is that we've always had right or thirty okay whatever whatever the square footage is it's still the same proportion of square footage split between the same departments that are still old city hall and uh, it actually went down here it year, went down a bit <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> so moving along, I'm going to just mention a couple more lines of the expenses and then we can address any questions you have about those. Um, in the other costs category, we have $49,000 allocated, which includes the cost, <clears throat> excuse me, for televising 13 board meetings, lease payments and maintenance costs for the use of a city vehicle for on-sites and other agency business and costs for a recruiter to assist in filling positions vacated due to staff retirements. Um, you'll see that in the legal expenses line, we have a smaller allocation this year of approximately 20,000. That's in part based upon our recent expenditures in legal expenses. Um, if it turns out that the 20,000 allocation is not sufficient, we do have a designated reserve account of approximately 42,000 for legal services. And if we needed to, we would ask the board to allocate that into the current budget year. Um, professional services, um, that's where our expenditure for True Point Solutions, I mentioned we're going to have ongoing support from them. <clears throat> so their professional services contract is there, as is um, the lobbyist contract, and then some other <coughs> excuse me, services that would be related to removal. Do you want to talk about the capital outlay section later? Um, sure. Um, so in the capital outlay section, there's four basic categories, building renovation, there's some reserve uh, funds there, a general computer systems category, and office equipment. Um, some years we don't spend very much from, from this category. Some years we spend a lot. Uh, building renovation, in case we need to do anything, and office space uh, we cut it down to a lot less than we have been budgeting because we haven't had to spend it so hopefully that will happen this year as well uh, we do mainly we have been maintaining approximately ten thousand dollars in the reserve system upgrade you never know we need a new server there's a big cost um, we need 
major equipment, computer equipment, so it's just a reserve for any major computer system money that we might need. Um, we used to not budget anything for it, and then when we needed it, we didn't have it. And now we just try to set some money aside for what we might potentially need. Um, the computer systems line, um, that's on, on page 14. Uh, so again, the computer systems, uh, we are part of the computer equipment replacement program. Um, it had been suspended for a number of years, but we now purchase our computers through the city. And to stay on top of technology every four to five to six years, we, we pay into the fund so that when we need a new computer, it's just as a carryover. It's like a rollover with your, with your cell phone, right? You buy the plan, you turn it in, you're still paying every month, every year, and you get a new phone, but it's a way to maintain the technology. Uh, with up to date, especially these days with um, security breaches and all of that, they want to make sure we're not using old systems with old software and to be compatible with everything else that the city does. It's important that we are as current as we can be on our computers. Um, same with the servers, all the servers both for the new database um, and for maintaining the uh, uh, document management system, there are server costs uh, allocated for that. Um, and then there's just some miscellaneous computer equipment, same thing, we need to buy a new printer, we need to have money for that. Um, same thing for software that we didn't necessarily know we needed until we found out we needed it. Um, and then office equipment basically covers the, um, the copier, um, the lease on the copier, and if we need to buy new desk or someone or a new chair. So I have a question. Why is the lease instead of purchased? The copy. I'm sorry? Why is the copy leased instead of purchased? Um, they offer a better deal. They come in and they do the maintenance on it. The, um, it builds into the lease cost of the toner cartridges for it. So it's part of the lease. Um, it includes that. We were into, I think, the third or fourth year on this. We did one year many years ago, you may recall, and we actually did purchase it, but what happens when you purchase it, the service maintenance agreement on it is so high that it's much cheaper to lease and buy a brand new machine and pay the cost for the lease versus the maintenance on the old machines. So do they also, when you lease it, are you able to swap it out more often? Um, yeah, at the end of the lease term, so again, they usually offer a buyout if you want, but as we learned, it's not the best choice to make. Um, and then you just, it's like a car, then you just switch it into a new lease. And, you know, technology improves so much that you're better off buying the newer equipment with the newer features. We have a lot of features on this machine that we did not have before. Um, we have a folder to it now. Um, it always did the two-hole punching and the stapling, but just the features that it has now are much better than what we had six years ago. So it's worth upgrading. Thank you. Thank you for taking that section. <laughs> okay, now I think I've got to get that fixed by Thursday. I know. <laughs> I thought it needed it fixed by tonight. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
Okay, so now we'll look at revenue, which starts on page 16 of the budget. But the summary table on page 18 um, sort of shows you what the budget or what the revenue projection is. So as I said, we project we'll be billing about 26,620 units. Um, we also anticipate collecting about $6,000 in registration fees from prior fiscal years. Owners don't pay them, we pursue them. We always are able to collect some from prior years. Um, <clears throat> Do we have to stop since we don't have a quorum? Should we? We, as, fee, as exemptions are granted or fee waivers are granted, we refund some registration fees. So we're projecting about $13,000 in refunded registration fees, which gives us a registration fee um, subtotal of $6,062,000 in the coming year. Interest earnings was once a much larger contributor to our budget, but in recent years with low interest rates, it hasn't been as much. This is not double what we projected for the current year, but close to double, um, so about 58000 coming in interest earnings. And then um, these other charges are really de minimis, but for if we have a request for an administrative record, we charge them for that. We predicting about $2,000 for that. There are filing fees of $100 for the owner-occupied exemption. We're projecting $2,200 for that. And then miscellaneous charges like for copies and things in the office, about $1,800. So that gives us total projected revenue of $6,126,732. And as we went through the expenditures, that's six. $6,159,553. So at the end of the year, we <clears throat> project we'll have a small deficit of less than $33,000, which will be covered by the board's reserve. So that is um, the budget presentation that I wanted to make. And I want to thank Lima for her excellent work on the budget. Every year, she does a great job predicting where things will go. She know, has access to all the people that she needs to to put the budget together and she does an excellent job monitoring monitoring it as well so that is the presentation um any questions or anything that people would like to discuss um thank you everyone for, for this. this is super useful um and the only question i really have is just looking at the projected deficit mm -hmm. i would say i see down below that even with that budget deficit this fiscal year, that will still be within the acceptable uh, range for the reserve. Um, but my question is about, you know, looking at if we're projecting a deficit of approximately 33,000, looking at the current fiscal year, um, there was a change from a projected savings of approximately 300,000 down just over the course of reality of the year to approximately 120,000. So I understand that those are due to some specific things that are not anticipated for the next fiscal year, but is there any concern that there could be a significant change again, further uh, bringing this to, uh, to a bigger deficit? <clears throat> well, um, just that the, the red ink always stands out. Right. When things could get worse. Right. Well, you'll remember that I said there are about $320,000 worth of one-time expenses here. 
So <clears throat> absent those, we would be in the same kind of position that we started the current year with. Um, so once those expenditures are no longer part of the budget, we'll be in a better position next year. But that's part of the reason why we have the reserve that we have, so that if there are higher expenditures required, we have the money available to cover those expenditures. Um, you know, we don't have an election in this budget year, so there won't be any new uh, Measure RC or anything like that that would have that kind of impact on us. Um, <clears throat> things could change, um, but... Well, and you said yourself that you anticipate several staff members retiring next year, so you're going to have that built in as well next year, right. so that may take up a lot of right. that again. It could, but as long-term employees retire, as Kurt pointed out, you know, there's a certain formula of what we're supposed to have right. in reserve. And part of that is accrued time that people are entitled to. If they haven't used it, they're entitled to um, that payment when they leave. As people retire, it reduces, reduces what's what required to be maintained because those expenditures are no longer part of what needs to be. Uh, we don't have to have a reserve for those. So um, I think, you know, things will shift and will be, I think, you know, the 228 is, we wouldn't recommend increasing it this year with what we're looking at. And for <clears throat> board members who are, have been on the board for a long time, they'll remember it's very common that what we do is after the board increases the fee, we have a year where we have some surplus to put into the reserve. And then every year that surplus gets down and we've even had years where we've had deficits of over a couple hundred thousand dollars or a few hundred, maybe even five hundred thousand. And we didn't recommend increasing the fee because we had enough in reserve to cover what this basic policy is. So yeah. it's always changing a little bit. Yeah, and to that point, to that point the, the having a deficit in the first year of the fee is, I think, even the second more, year. Uh, the second year. Right. But early on in that typical right. four or five years is a little bit more concerning. Obviously we're not talking about a significant amount of money here, but I'm wondering if you you know we're, the deficit of approximately thirty three thousand is something like that half a percent of revenue. So or your uh, projected expenditure. So if if you were trying to get that to zero instead of a deficit, are there any places, are there any line items that you think would be places where there is a little bit of padding there. <clears throat> The reserve upgrade, there's $10,000 there. It's not allocated to anything in particular. However, then if we needed something, then we go over. Uh, you know, as Tracy said, this this current budget year that we're in, that, that big drop, you know, I, I hate to project savings and then have to chip away at the savings, but we had so many unexpected costs that we did not know we were going to hit it. Um, and this new budget is pretty pretty close to the bone here. Um, there's not padding, you know, there's nothing, there's not much inflating um, that happens, you know, like if we used an as-needed person list, there could be some savings there, but if we don't budget for it and then we need as-needed person, then there's always the concern about, well, 
do we make do? Do we do we not do a project because we don't have a person to do the project? Um, if the health insurance costs turn out to be 12% of an increase versus 9% of an increase, that could put us short. Um, if it turns out to be only a 5% <coughs> increase instead of a 9% increase, then it comes to the good. So it's a little bit of a weighing of where where's the reasonable expectation to budget money so that we're properly funded versus cutting it to the bone so much that there aren't funds for something and then when it comes up, we don't have a means to pay for it. Um, not that we can't go to the board and ask them to revise the budget. Um, it's just more, this is a realistic estimate of where hopefully will end and hopefully to the, to the gooder, as my friend would say, um, and many years we actually come up better than what is projected. This particular budget year is one of the years where we didn't come out as good as I thought we would come out, but most years, even if we project a deficit, it's a little less of a deficit. If we project savings, we need to have more savings. The interest, um, again, it's a very conservative number, but if interest gets better during the year, that increases the revenue. Um, if we have more of the past due fees, you know, we have a number of owners who don't pay us and all of a sudden they want to pay because they want to do something with the property or they want to sell it. So we get, you know, a big influx of revenue of some years $10,000, some years $20,000 so that again, shifts the balances a little bit. So the long, the long answer to your question is yes, we could see a bigger deficit given what happened this year, but it would take some truly unexpected things to come up for that to happen, and as long as things kind of stay the course. If we had to hire another person, there's a salary, that could put us way over. But it depends where in the fiscal year it happened. If it happens towards the end of the fiscal year, the impact won't be so great. Um, Most years what the city tells us to project is 
less than what we wound up collecting. But again, it just kind of depends. I think two years ago we had a little bit of a windfall because they were able to ship funds very quickly. Uh, or I think some things were expiring and they were able to move them into a higher uh, return fund and we got a very nice um, influx of, of money that was not expected throughout the city. But most years the city's pretty conservative on what they tell us to use and it ends up being better. Yeah, that's good news. Um, is, is it, could the board decide to ask to come back with a, a proposed budget that doesn't include a deficit to fund it, to, to take a, a, another close look at it to see if that's possible to get that to zero based on realistic projections? Yeah, you could take a motion to do that if you'd like. And we could do that. Right. Can you with this traffic? Yeah. Sorry, I asked if we could, if the board could. Uh, ask the staff to take another close look at the budget to come back with projections to get us to basically a zero, so no deficit. So we could decide to make a motion to do that. Um, I will be honest, I wouldn't support that motion for this reason. Number one, because I know the experience of the staff that have done this in the past. Um, and to me, that would be just a matter of saying, oh, great, we got a zero. You know, we're projecting that we, you know, a zero uh, difference, and I don't know if that's is a big deal to our public because every year we've been off. We always project a little more or a little less. We're never at that zero. And I know where you're just from, you know, at it, the look from the public, going at zero rather than having a deficit looks better, obviously. But this is such a small deficit in all reality, and. You know, there's never been a year when we've not had, when we've been at zero. And when I've been here, sometimes, it, like I said, it's, we've projected over 100000 or $200,000 as the deficit. And it's not, I've never had any really negative reaction from the public in feedback on it. So I think unless you have something targeted specifically for them to look at, to have them to look at the whole balance, budget as a whole, again, would be just... I just, I just don't, I just don't feel that the payoff in that would be that great um, to put the staff through looking at everything really closely again because they're going to anyway. I mean, over the next time they're going to, if they, something comes up, they're going to let us know about it. Um, but I just, like they've said, I just look at these numbers and you look at compared to prior years and that it just. I, I can't see any place where we could say, okay, cut from that, and that makes sense, to be honest. Um, you'd just be winging something out there to get to zero. And I just, to me, that doesn't make sense to, just to do it to get to zero. I, I see where you're coming from, from a, from a perspective of making the public see, oh, we're good stewards of the money, and that we are, I think, which is fantastic. But, um, but unless, I don't agree or stand with Erica, but just, it makes no, sense. I definitely would love to hear your perspective, Erica. But I think that just to comment on what you said, I think uh, it, 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 my intention would certainly not be just to, to change the numbers so we get to zero for optics. It would, if we did decide to do this, it would be the ask would be to come back with specifically what was changed and why do you think that change is a re realistic projection. Uh, so but I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. 
Such in, are you saying in every budget item or just? No, 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 it could be from, I mean, we're talking about $32,000. It could be right. from one line. It doesn't need to be from, from multiple lines or every line. It doesn't need to be a full report on what was in house at all. I don't want to create more work for the sake of creating work. Um, a lot of this is coming, in my mind, coming from, I remember specifically when we talked uh, last year about uh, raising the registration fee, there was some criticism that I personally felt was had some merit that at the time we're uh, proposing that the Mars can be capped at 3%, we're also raising fees. Uh, and I understand the traditional cycle, the fact that it hadn't been raised in years, um, but part of the pushback on that criticism was, while typically in the early part of the, early, the first few years of that increased fee, we're able to have surplus, right. uh, and that won't happen here. Right. So I, I understand why. I'm just thinking about why uh, you know that whole argument. I I see, yeah, I see what you're going from there, too, because that's something that obviously when we went to the ballot measure on this thing, the, the feedback we got from landlords especially is that oh well that, that's going to give the rent control board you know free will to do whatever they want with the money you know to, next year they're going to boost it up blah 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 and we've proven that that's not the case so i kind of see where you're going where this this seems to be expediting that <laughs> that process of ever four or five years to now all of a sudden maybe after three years we're looking at it i see where you're saying that but you know, I, I just, I don't know where we, I just don't see where it would come from. Um, yeah, there so are costs that we really do not have control over. <clears throat> you know, they are just a factor or whatever. Um, there are some things, I mean, we could reduce some things, but this is really our best estimate of what it will cost. And ideally, some things we'll have some savings on. Um, or maybe we'll have higher interest, or maybe we'll collect more of previous year's registration fees. Um, so <clears throat> this is our best projection at this time. Um, and then we update you mid-year and third quarter so that you know how things are going. But I think, I mean, the board wants the budget to be as accurate as possible. So I think that's probably the primary consideration even if it shows or the case is point about potentially cutting something to bring it to zero as opposed to Well, as gentlemen, as you were discussing this, you said, well, I'd like to hear your thoughts. And we went back and forth, and we went back and bing, and I'm like, <laughs> So, um, prior to me arriving this evening and going over the budget and looking where we have budget variations, I would have said over time and as needed. Um, as far as trying to cut back some. Because um, you asked for my thoughts, so here it is. Um, also, but as you explained to me what the as needed, you know, I thought we were kind of being heavy on the as needed, but once you explained to me what positions were as needed, it's not that heavy, it's only a couple. Um, just as far as variations, I just, you know, overtime, if there's any way that we can cut back a little overtime, a little, not a lot, just a little. Um, I think that that would be feasible. Would that be feasible to cut back on a little bit of overtime? I understand there's a lot of data that you know you guys are trying to back up and everything. But we just cut back a little bit. I think that would be feasible. Do you agree, Lonnie? No, no. Look at historically what what overtime has been over the last five years. 
it's and it's it started with a database, and the database is still still creating some situations of meeting over time. And to be honest, I think that's that's a conservative number, but very much a conservative number. Um, so I just don't. I just. You know, I mean, look at historically in the last four years, it's been 39, 43, 48, 37,000. Um, and I, I think that it is going to go down, but to, to be realistically thinking, the best year we've had in the FI was back before the database started, and it was still $13,000 for overtime, even back before the database started. So I think that that's a very conservative number. Now, it's as needed, and again, you're looking at the same situation. It's always been, every year, the projected it's been much lower than what it ended up being, and you can see those numbers over the last four years. The lease was 60,000 two years ago. Now I anticipate that again, it's probably gonna go down a little bit this year, but I'm thinking 52.5 is probably a conservative number. But, so I just, I mean, yeah, you could pull away from those numbers, but I think what you're doing is just making an optics thing right now, and at the end of this day, it's gonna go up. It's going to be way higher, and then we're going to look back and say, well, you know, we way under budget. I mean, we can if we want to get down to that number, but I, again, I just think that's optics. I'm not necessarily saying for optics. Um, I'm just saying as oh, far as, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing it for optics. Okay. I'm saying as far as how everything's going up, just to cut back a little, right. you know what I'm saying, in hopes that we either, number one, generate more revenue, or two, that things, you know what I'm saying, will improve to the point that we don't need as much. I get, yeah, I get what you're coming. Revenue is not, it's going to be what it is. I mean, that's, well, that's what it is. Actually, I think that maybe revenue, like we can make a real push on the collection of uh, past due registration fees. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's something that we've spent time on and we did a good job of collecting a lot of what was past due. We don't have many, that many properties that didn't pay their 2021 bills. Uh, there are a certain number that haven't paid the 2022. We could really, you know, make a concerted effort on the uh, collection of the past due registration fees, which would help increase revenue. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable putting it in here as a projected increase, but we can make that one of our, I mean, we've talked about making that an additional push on that and that could help with the revenue piece of it. Yeah, in my mind, I, I think, just to reiterate, I wouldn't uh, necessarily think that we as, the, as a board, although we certainly could, would, spe would specify which line items to to make cuts to or to look for additional revenue, but it would be an ask to the staff to, to make that recommendation. And my question for you is, could, could, if we were to make that uh, motion, yeah, the next. My understanding is, is the next meeting where we, this we would vote at adoption of right. this budget. Um, could we have uh, basically two versions? That one's at, at uh, is budget neutral or productive as no deficit. The other is existing budget. I think you could. We've never done that. Um, I think that might be confusing. I mean, you could direct us to go and look at. Is there any place where we could reduce the um, expenditures that we've projected. We've, we've heard Lima say that, you know, this is a relatively tight budget. 
We could also reevaluate whether we could increase the revenue by um, making a concerted effort on the uncollected registration fees and maybe project an increase. I, 30000 would be a pretty significant increase in that, but um, we could take a look at that. And, um, but I wouldn't really recommend having two different project or two different budgets to present to the public. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my only thought on that was that if if you if the director was to take a, another look at this um, and you came back and said, listen, if we if, to get to zero, it would it would really mean some a, a cut that was would, would be detrimental to the to the board to the to rent control board or that it's not realistic, it's just moving our numbers, then ultimately I wouldn't vote to support a budget that, you know, just to get to zero, that would fit one of those two criteria. But, uh, but I am interested in, in seeing if there is a way to squeeze that extra half a percent. Um, because as I stated, I think that there is, uh, there is pushback out there for, uh, on the registration fee increase still that I've heard recently, uh, even though this is an issue that Long past, um, and uh, I, I worry that there's concern that there will be assumptions made about additional increases in the future. Uh, because I think the number one thing that I hear from landlords is just they feel like they're getting squeezed on all ends. Um, and, and there's certainly a legitimate argument against that. Uh, but that's what, what I hear. Um, just any way to uh, to show that, to, to not give a reason for that concern uh, is, is attractive to me. But um, do you guys have any other thoughts? I think that's all I have to say on that. But. Uh, question, Lima, on the, on the computer systems line. Um, it's obviously it's gone through cycles, as you can even see from the past two years. And you've talked about that every few years, it needs to be replaced. And sometimes it's almost all of the computers have to be replaced. And this year you've budgeted 51,000. And do you anticipate, because last year obviously we had a, a huge number of computers that must have been bought or something. Or what, what created the 47,000? For, or for this year, what was the projected cost this, this year? I'm sorry. Fiscal year. So again, some of the funds that were designated for the CERT program, we haven't gotten the bill yet for it. Oh, okay. Um, they're supposedly starting the CERT program up. Whether or not they switch out the computers this year or next year, they don't know. We don't know yet what will kind of be assessed. I can only go by the numbers they've given me. I'm hoping this will be less. We also had to spend extra money just to uh, do some of the integrations between the, the new system and the document management system. There's been hours of time spent to get the two systems working with each other more efficiently um, is what was spent out of here, uh, as well as having to purchase some um, additional software and server upgrades that we did not anticipate. Um, so that's what's come into this $47,000 here. That I'm still hopeful by the end of the year, if the city doesn't assess us a certain cost, that there'll be savings here, but I can't. Yeah, and 
and that's and I'm getting more at for next year. Do you think that the, this is going to be more consistent of this since we're part of that program that we're going to have a higher because you're projecting the fifty-one thousand yeah. from this year, which is similar to this year. So right. it's it's going to become more of that consistent exactly. But number. Don't, but we don't know. Is right. It's part of it is with, with the city's assessment. We're a little bit at their mercy. We know somewhat what past history has been, and we know what we started out paying them because they haven't been <coughs> us out of that program for a number of years. They've already warned us it's going to be more. Okay. We don't know how much more. Right. Um, like I said, part of the new database was setting up new servers, both for the uh, public portal, the civics account, and for our internal use. We had to upgrade those mid-year because they weren't running fast enough, so we had to get new virtual servers set up with that with more memory, more speed. Whether that's going to continue, we don't know. So, What typically have in that, in, and I wish I could recall off the top of my head, involved in it, but typically what if we budgeted under computer systems before the CERT program? Was this... For this year, I think it's 13000 for the CERT? No, I was saying, yeah, oh, I was saying, but for, for the computer systems overall, because you're <coughs> forecasting 51000 and back before this happened, and we weren't budgeting that big of a number, it was a much smaller number. It was a smaller number. You, was it considerably smaller? I can't remember. Was it... Um, same, same. It, it was like, no, the CERT was always about the same. We just didn't have the extra server okay. cost for under CERT. Um, that's, that's been a new item. And again, I'm basing it based on what they told me the cost mm -hmm. would be. They didn't charge us yet this fiscal year. So I don't know really what they're going to charge other than based on what they said the cost should be for right. that. We don't know. Um, in the past for the computer systems line, we had served and then just some extra money if we needed to buy a new piece of software, a computer, a printer, whatever it was we might need. Uh, but we went one to two years without putting out any serve money at all, um, which is why they're telling us this year it's going to be a lot. Because I'm just trying to find just rather than just send it back in general terms to, to the staff again to review it all and try to find these. Obviously, they're not going to find it in salaries and wages. I'm just, it, they just aren't. I just can't fathom it. That, that have to have been a mistake. But it have to come from <coughs> supplies and expenses or capital outlay in my mind. And unless we, like Erica said, did something as needed there or with the overtime, but I just can't those are just conservative numbers to me. Um, I mean, for instance, the making the board packets available, that's part of the vendor costs that we come out of computer systems, um, it, depending how many hours it takes them to make that happen. So if we don't want that to happen, or if we don't have money to pay for yeah. it, then we don't implement something like that. So that's kind of where the we want to provide a service, there's a cost that goes with it. So even just doing, putting the board packets available to the public, opening up the portal to that will take 
anywhere between another 20 to 30 hours, I think, of the vendor's time to make that happen. So we don't have funds to do it. It's something that we maybe shell for another year. Maybe we do it part way or maybe we do something less. So again, that's where some of the money is designated is to cover those kind of projects that come up. Um, or we find out, you know, again, in the new system with some of the new documents that we're producing, again, we need them to get into the system efficiently as opposed to a human being scanning 5,000 documents in the system. <coughs> Maybe it takes 10 hours of a vendor's time to make that happen automatically that then carries us forth next year and the next year after that. So. Um, there's in this budget some of the costs for um, uh, the payment processors. You know, we had, as you may remember, Lonnie, how many people it would take us during the summer to process all the payments. Um, it, probably four people spent for two months 50% of their day processing payments in one fashion or another, that that meant they couldn't do their other regular work until the summer rush was over. We've converted that to some automation. We're still doing some of it ourselves, but last year there was a cost, and there's an ongoing cost right now for um, a payment processor to open hundreds of envelopes and scan and hundreds of checks. So. Yes, we could not do that, but it would go back to a person doing that, and if a person is doing that project, they're not able to do some of their regular work. So some of these efficiencies have cost money and will cost money over the next few years. Once those efficiencies are in place, now if there's a project that you need a staff person to do, you have someone who has some bandwidth to do that project as opposed to, sorry, can't do anything else during the summer because I'm processing. I'm putting hundreds of checks through a machine when someone else could be opening the envelopes and putting them, so. Um, Where did you come up um, with the number, Tracy? Well, I obviously do. Um, the $90,000 allocated to TruePoint, how'd you come up with that figure? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it covers 480 hours of um, their time, plus a little additional contingency. Um, <clears throat> this year we needed about that much of their time. Oh. Going forward, I think that will go down as we get more things in place. Um, but what we're putting into place is a professional services agreement that gives us, allows us to spend up to $90,000 um, for five year, each year for five years, or the total amount, um, but not to exceed that. So we came up with that based upon how much we use them this year, and with the technical services analyst having moved to a different position, um, I think we're going to need that much this year. The other thing I'll just add on the revenue side, I think there are opportunities we can see on the horizon, you know, to have additional billable units, you know, with 
if ADUs coming online, um, those you know those will be subject to rent control and, and they would have to pay fees. Uh, we are continuing to do the exemption monitoring for owner-occupied exempt properties, and uh, I know that there are quite a few in the pipeline that are questionable. And we're looking into those, and it's very likely we'll be able to lapse exemptions. Um, also, I think we can um, we can implement a program uh, to do more recertifications of owner uh, occupied fee waivers uh, because we have not done the same kind of recertification that we've been doing on the exempt properties, um, and I think that you know that effort has really paid off, and we've. Been last exemptions that we found that people were living on the properties and if we do that same sort of effort with owner occupied you know units that are getting fee waivers um, I think the combination of those three those three things could very easily bring you know 100 more units back under rent control that get very close to the, the 30,000 deficit but you know until we do that we can't count again the, the one thing that's interesting and crazy when you brought this up about we've never done it before in that putting a concerted effort to get past due registration fees, we've just always put into the budget what we know we're going to supposedly collect rather than put in any extra revenue for that and then at the end of the year we just end up collecting a little more than we expected because of that. Has there ever been in the past a thought of putting in because of a little extra money and not maybe even a separate line in the revenue um, and just delineating it differently from just the registration fees as a, you know um, anticipated collections you know of so many thousands of dollars and, and kind of basing it on how many you know over the years we've done because we've done that almost every year we've ended up collecting more in the new system we are able to sort of designate a little easily um, what's past year's fees and current year fees because of how the billing process mm -hmm. is set up. We've had years where we devoted um, a lot more time and energy to small claims collections and just the overall really putting more effort into the collections. Uh, we did that and we collected a lot and then we had not that many properties with outstanding fees. We were just looking at that today and you know, there are close to 200 properties, um, some of which are really not billable properties, possibly they may be single family homes, um, and we've billed them and they haven't paid and we may find out that it's really not. But for the multifamily properties where we know that they owe us the money, we could put more energy into the small claims collection process. Um, and I think that would bring in more. And then I think after a year's experience on that, yeah. we might have an idea of what we could collect and possibly have a separate revenue projection for that. Also, that's not necessarily a quick process. Even if we start yeah. off the first of the year, it's not like when we go to court in the next month, you get money. You, you, exactly. Uh, yeah. um, you know, um, some of it is, is liens and judgments, and you don't necessarily get money right away because that's a legal um, you have a piece of paper. You have and a piece the, of paper but you don't get the check yet. <laughs> and I remember from past all the budgets when I was 
the secretary of the board, it always seemed to be there was always a couple of line items that, that there was a little wrangling about. One was legal expenses, um, and it was always a case of, you know, there's certain board members who felt we had to need to hire because just in case, and there was others like, oh, let's just keep it low because we have that reserve. And looking at legal expenses now, we're 20,000, which is actually lower than what we used to do. And there was only one bad year, and I'm trying to think, is that 97,000, didn't we have to hire an outside counsel for some case? We couldn't do it internally. And so that's why that one was so much higher. But typically, we always save money in the legal expenses department because we do our own legal cases. But you never know. That's <laughs> that show. Of course, given all it takes is one big red. Right, right. Um, that, you know, goes to court. And we have to pay out fees. Um, again, certainly we can go to the board. but. And I think that's the only, can you, th I can't think of very many other line items where we've ever in the, not that that makes any difference, but where we've ever really, as the board, deciding to say go back and do this, um, other than the legal expenses line, and maybe advertising it seems like maybe we've talked about before because there may be a bit pushed about something or other, but. Yeah, but you see that's not a very large allocation. Right, exactly. I'm just trying to get, and the other question I have is, do we need to even do it and as a group and vote on this and say, go back to you? Or can one or board member say, I'd like you to do this? Well, I think it would be appropriate for there to be a motion on it okay. to direct us to do that. I mean, we can look at it, but believe me, we've looked at it. You know, I mean, that's why we've presented to you what we're presenting to you. Um, I think I would feel more comfortable trying to increase the revenue um, through the various things that people have mentioned. Dan raised a good point about owner-occupied fee waivers. These are multifamily properties where an owner got a fee waiver because they live there, but we haven't done verifications of those, so we could put some energy and effort into that. Um, I would like to, I mean, I would like to put the effort into possibly increasing revenue rather than cutting any of this um, because this is our best projection. Um, so between that and the small claims, although it's true we don't get those judgments, or sometimes we get paid and sometimes it's a lien that we wait for the property to be sold. Um, so there's no absolute, but some people we write them a letter and they pay, you know. So there's a whole range of things that happen with that. I mean, they're getting assessed penalties every month for what they're not paying and we um, you know, one of our staff attorneys has, that has been a major project of his in the past and it hasn't been in this year or in the past couple of years and we could put some more energy into that. Do you, do, so are you required to present this a meeting before it gets voted on? Uh, well, the charter requires us to present it to you 35 days before the beginning of the next fiscal year, so that's tonight. And it's going to change Pardon? If, if you were to change this based on that. No, that'd be fine. We would still set it for public hearing on June 8th. Okay. And you would adopt it on June 8th, even if we modified it from what we presented tonight. And we could still, on June 8th, adjust it then. Yes. It's what? Yes, if, you could. We didn't. After you hear from the public out, and right. you, you know, you may think, oh, well, they've said X, Y, and Z. Right. And yeah, so you can amend it. But at and that point, it would be really a it would almost be required that we direct a specific line to adjust it. 
right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Shortly after. One other question I have on the uh, reserve fund policies on page twenty. Is, am I reading this correct that, so uh, it says the agency should maintain approximately 1.466 million. Is, would that number be 15%? Is that how you get to that number? Yeah, and, and what we have is close to 14%. So it's, it's about? It's a little bit less. A little bit, 19,000, 20,000 less. Right. So that's a take almost 14. Right. And um, just per, perspective on that. Um, last year, the city council approved a budget with reserves only available to cover 12% of their budget. So it varies from year to year, depending upon what we have available in reserve. And the city, because of COVID, you know, that was reduced. This year, they're moving closer to 15%, but they're not getting to 15% this year. Okay. Well, so if you made the adjustments to go after revenue, some money that you left on the table, per se, um, could you then put this in reserves? If we collected it and yeah. we did not expend it yeah. um, in the next fiscal year, yes, it would go into reserve. judgments when we come to the come to the meeting in June if they want to do some 
adjustments on it. Um, because if you did make a motion, I, 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 it, I don't like the idea with just three of us here, only one of us can make a decision on that, you know, to, to boot it when the other, that, that might have been the only person out of five that would have been that way. Um, but we don't know where they would have been because they aren't here. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, at least I think now you guys have been some very, this would be a additional conversation, potentially something. Uh, could be asked in this regard at the next meeting. So, you know, we've already started the thought process on what could be addressed on the revenue or expense side. And so right. Obviously, there's a few weeks before that meeting to think about it more, both on our side and staff side. Yeah. I guess. Do we? The only thing that I would be comfortable with asking staff to, expenditures. I, I just, I just, to me, I don't think I would vote to send it back to the dams just as well. However, I might be amenable to asking them to at least come back with some more thoughts on the revenue situation. If we want to include some of the things Dan's talking about, or if we want to include a little extra in the in that registration fee because we might collect some more, you know, that type of thing. I might go that far to, but I just don't think I hate to do it because. Again, four others may have voted for to do that, but two well, it could have been even four. I mean, like I say, if the other two, or maybe four total could have been, you know. Well, I will say right here now, I am in support of leaving no money left on the table, because um, otherwise, it's you know, I also agree with Kurt. You know, in some ways, and finding ways to cut, but I'm more in favor of generating more revenue than I am of cutting. If there's ways to generate revenue without us having to make radical changes, you know, if there's things that you can do to, you know, say somebody hasn't paid their fees, okay, send them a letter or, you know, make a phone call. If it's just as simple as that, I'm definitely for it. So, you know, because you don't know how much revenue you can generate just by doing that. Um, I'm more in support of that. But if that doesn't work, there's a ladder. And again, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that by March. But again, once we get the input from Anastasia and Dan, he has to yeah. filled in on that. Maybe there, you know, more of a consensus can come to but I think in the June meeting. I also think that they should, like, as we're looking, you know, if they're looking through the SPR, that they come to their own. Yes. Review. And not so much that we kind of lead them along. Well, this is what was discussed. No, I, I agree. You understand? Yeah. So, like, if there's a yeah. conversation that they're not just being led along, well, this is what was said, and do you agree with no? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah. part of that could be Tracy talking yeah. to the yeah. 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 meeting yeah. before yeah. that meeting, so that they they come to that meeting with their own with their own thoughts. Yeah. I will talk with both of them. And I think without even doing a motion that. I'm sure staff can think about, at least think about the revenue situation between now and then to see realistic what that, that well, I, I think they need. Right. I think they need to think yeah. about it. Because so I'm right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. look. But yeah. Yeah. look at like, what is outstanding and, and how old are the owner-occupied fee waivers? And we can look at a little bit more um, about that and maybe, you know, have a modified projection of past due fees that we can collect. Um, 
but we'll take a okay. look at it. And we've certainly heard you, and I appreciate this conversation, and yeah, we will look at it, and I will talk with the others and not lead them along, but just hear what their thoughts are about it. So is the motion helpful at this point, or do you think that? I think we understand. Okay. I think at this point, because from the conversation, it doesn't sound like there's something that you all agree on, but I get, but we understand. Yeah, I think we, point. okay, that, that's fine. I'm I mean, I think we do, I think there is consensus that we would the agree on the motion on the revenue side yeah. to come back to us some recommendations for uh, realistic ways to increase revenue to close the, the projected budget deficit. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree to that. It's, I'm not saying that, just to look at ways that might be possibilities because there's only so much you can do, but right. you know, they can look at it and see what the realistic numbers are, you know, from Dan yeah. and, and, and maybe look at what we've done in the past as collecting fees. Yeah. Um, because those things can be looked at realistically to see yeah. for revenue. But I agree. You know, I mean I think that's my that's my hope for well, for the next week is that that will try the discussions of whether or not we need a motion to No, I think that's fine. Yeah. We understand. Yeah, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Very good. So I think that's it then mm -hmm. for tonight. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a motion to adjourn. I'll make a motion that we adjourn. I'll second. Thank you. So we are. Can you get to bang your gavel? No, I'm not. 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 I'